Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode. Last time, the party had faced off against a mysterious mechanical foe, the likes of which they did not beat. And in the process, lost both the Wish and Mina. Luckily, with their timely rescue by Larry and the Chillin' Dragon, they were able to survive. But where will our adventurers go next? And what will they do? Find out this episode here at Good Job Adventures. dragon floats through the night sky, gently heading back down to its original position on the eastern portion of town. We move now to the inside of it as it lands, and Larry, in his sleeveless shirt, now covered with wrinkles and stains, stands behind the bar cleaning off a large mug as it reflects in his white sunglasses, removing the blue stains from the inside of it with his ragged cloth. Behind him is a trophy, a hefty-looking keg crafted from gold. You can see that inscribed below is the phrase, Best Bar in Ruel. And then Larry says, Glad I was able to make it in time for you guys. Any sooner and I feel like you'd all be Ghanas. Speaking of Ghanas, where's that shady kid and a fiery gal? Did you say any sooner and we would have been dead? Yes, did you mishear me? Right. They're gone, Larry. Uh, one flew off and the other jumped off the tower. So, yeah, let's go with that. Uh, so I've still got Abel, like, over my shoulders, right? Yes, uh, you do. Larry, uh, this kid's pretty hurt. Do you have somewhere I can take a look at him? Oh, yeah. Um, I can, I can take a look at him. Uh, so you, you pass Evil over, uh, I assumed over to Larry, uh, maneuvering his limp body into his arms. His messy taupe hair covers his face, and much like his nickname, it seems clear. Not a streak of emotion shows, uh, and his eyes look vacant and soulless. You know that he's not dead, but you feel no comfort seeing him in this state. Uh, and Larry, uh, kind of just, like, puts him over his shoulder in a fireman's carry. He's like, well, I heard you said one of those guys jumped off the side of the, the tower. So, I mean, if you want to go look for him, bars landed, you could open up the door. Uh, speaking of that, your bar is a giant dragon? No, my bar is a bar. My friend is a dragon that's on top of the bar. Whatever, I'm going to go take care of this kid. And then Larry leaves uh, to go up, up the stairs to the, uh, to the rooms at the top of the bar. I look to the party and say, well, I mean, I don't think Cass jumped off the tower. I don't think, I think it's going to be kind of a body retrieval mission if we go into the park. I think we should probably go try to find his body before any of the festival moves in. We can try finding him, but I feel that the thing he summoned might have caught him at the end. Just the Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I... But we should definitely check in case there is splatter and uh, the townsfolk don't need to see that. Let's, uh, let's get a move on, I suppose. So as you all move through the streets, uh, you're, making, you're making your way towards the park. You pass by just a couple of like last straggling drunken dwarves and townspeople. You see most of them are stumbling through the streets uh, headed home as, like, uh, as you're passing by a couple of the bars that you've seen from the previous nights. And it looks like everybody's uh, closing up shop. Did none of them take heed that a giant, like, superstructure spawns in the middle of their city out of nowhere and then just disappeared. So, 
Yes, that's the thing. The tower is completely black. It didn't really, like, outside of, like, the one major earthquake, it didn't necessarily, like, rumble anything crazily. People have eyes! Everyone was pretty much bar crawling at the time. Some people may have seen it, some people may not have. Uh, but as you guys make it to the park, uh, the landscape is a complete mess. Benches have been broken and toppled as large fissures, like veins, crawling across skin, spread every which way scattered about, all connecting to the same point, the tree at its center. The tree itself seems to be standing stalwart, seemingly unaffected by anything, any of the chaos that surrounds it. Uh, and you all, I assume, since you're scanning out and fan out, to try to look for Cass and or the automaton. Uh, so you guys can roll an investigation check to see if you can find anything. It would specifically looking for an impact on the ground where the, because there would probably be a crater where the automaton hit. Maybe not Kaz, but the automaton's big enough that I would think it would form a crater to see if there's anything like unique there. Uh, 22. Unnatural 20. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, you're all looking for the, for pretty much the same thing, really, but yeah, you, you all, with a 22 blanket, you found it. Uh, so as you all peer around, I'm going to say Breath Giver because he pointed out first, you see a large crater, uh, and it looks distinctly different from like the other pits and like cracks in the uh, cracks in the uh, ground as it looks like this hole was made by just like the repeated pummels of some sort of large object and Breath Weaver, you walk over to it. Um, and, and you're over there second and then the rest follow as you I examine the hole, uh, awkward fist marks seem to indent the earth. Uh, and the only thing you see reside within this red-stained grave are one arm, two legs, and a blood-soaked journal. Uh, the rest is mush. Uh, if you'd uh, like, you can recover some pieces. I'll recover the journal and just double-check that it is Kaz. I, like, I don't know if he wrote yeah, his name. Yeah, would I be able to identify from the arm, from the body parts? Who else is it? Who else is it going to be? Would I be able to identify who it is? Yeah, all right. So you look at the body parts and you see the the arm that's that's left there. It's kind of has like long nails that you saw Cass was using to assault Elagos. Uh Elagos would be the most familiar with that, but like it's 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 like it's like they said who who else would it be? How wide would you say this crater is? Um it's about 5 feet by 5 feet. How deep would you say it is? <laughs> I I can I can bury him. Give him I a, don't think we should maybe. bury him here, Brett. I think. Oh yeah, we should probably put him back at the orphanage. Yeah. Uh, Vin, one thing that uh, Elagos wants to look for is, um, I think you mentioned in the last episode, like something like coming out of his mouth, like the uh, similar to like the officers. No, his mouth unhinged. Oh. Uh, he he didn't have any fuzz in his mouth like the officers, if that's what you mean. Yeah, that was what I was looking for. Uh, so you guys, you since it seems like uh, you no, want Tyler's, to. I think Tyler wanted to say something. Sure. What do you want to say, Tyler? Uh, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> I heard you say All right, Corley. <laughs> I'd like to say a few words. All right, what do you want to say? I don't want to say anything. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Those are the few words I wanted to say. <laughs> so, Breath Weaver, uh, after examining the hole, picks up the hand and the two legs and the book, and he's just like... His hands are completely full, like someone who just like was carrying like a whole bunch of stuff in a supermarket without a bag. There's, there's uh, got to be a more dignified way to carry. Yeah, I agree. I didn't want to pick it up this way, but I just suddenly had the urge to. Apparently, don't we still have Larry's bag? Oh yeah, you're right. 
so at, at this point, Wilhelm just kind of like opens up the bags, like, all right, we'll, we'll carry his body in this for now. I'll put everything except for the book in the bag, and then I'll add that to my list of things I have. So it's not a book bag. It's a body bag. Oh. Oh, even better. All right, so the the only thing left right now is you guys said that you wanted to bury him at the orphanage, uh, which, of course, you can definitely do. Uh, would you guys like to take a look inside the book now, or would you like to look in the book I'll, right I'll read it on the way to the orphanage. Seems a little undignified to be reading his stuff as we're going to go bury him, but... Fine, I'll, I'll wait, I'll wait. All right, so as you guys kind of collect all of the uh, the pieces of Cass's body, put them inside of the body bag, and then... Uh... As we're walking to the... Um orphanage i would like to point i would like to remind the fellow uh, people there are still three children there uh so we should probably I, I don't know exactly how we should handle that if they see us doing things because uh i don't know how to explain it to them we could probably just go around the back so you collect the pieces of Cass's body as dawn begins to break and a brand new morning awaits you head towards the orphanage and the streets are empty not a soul in sight you pass through the wrought iron gates and up to the large oaken door of Rose Garden. You walk around the side of the orphanage and you head towards the back. And as you reach the garden, morning dew rests on the petals of the Castile roses as the morning sun's rays grace them, sending twinkles of light off in different directions. You bask in the beauty of this place. You can't believe that you've overlooked it before. Here in silence, you can appreciate the care and construction of this garden. You head over to the tombstone. So... Quick question. Um, when when the tower disappeared, since Mina was in the tower, did any of her uh, dis- remains disappear with the tower? Uh, from what you can assume, yes. Because uh, as, as you left, the, the actual tower began to fade out of existence. Uh, there was nothing from what you saw at, the di- at this site that would indicate Mina's corpse. Or there was nothing really left of it in the first place. I think we should still dig a plot for Mina, even if there's nothing to put in. Yeah. Um, I can dig the graves for them. Uh, I don't have any stone, though, to like for a makeshift grave marker. Uh, Elagos looks over at uh, Wilhelm, kind of like, said, "Hey, can you can you help out with that?" Uh, I I, I will do what I can. Uh-huh. Do you need me to find any stones? Or would that not be necessary? I feel like the headstone isn't the most important part here. It's not the memory they're leaving behind, really. They didn't really have much. It's who they're going to, which is Roe. So I think just putting them next to this person they cared a lot about is what's the important part. That's fair. Should someone say a few words? Uh... I mean, I can't speak much about Cass. I didn't know him, and obviously it's hard to say stuff. Anything about someone you didn't know well. And to be honest, I didn't know Mina that well either, but I mean, none of you probably know this. I had a couple encounters with her before you all, so I know her a little bit. I was the one who gave her my hat I thought maybe I thought maybe it would help her and maybe she could get some food on the side for herself but I didn't think it would lead to this I'm sorry Mina 
that this is my fault you're here. I didn't want this to happen. I just wanted to make it a little bit easier for you. And I failed, and I'm sorry. And I know that saying that won't bring you back, but uh, I'll do better going forward. You were a good person, and like I said, I didn't know you too well, but I knew you well enough to know that. So rest in peace. Uh, he kind of like put like puts his hand on Owl's shoulder and Cass, Nina, I'm I'm sorry about the way things turned out. Cass, I tried to save you from from making the mistake that I almost made. It was too late, Nina. I put you in danger trying to get the upper hand. I should have known better. I tried to protect people and I, I just ended up putting them in danger, but like I always do. But I'm gonna be better. I. From here on out, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be a better paladin. I'm gonna. I'm gonna fulfill my oath. So no one else... So no one else gets buried because of me. I'd like to step forward and put a hand on Elgos' back in reassurance. Although I don't think I can say anything that'll cheer him up. Vin, I'm gonna cast Minor Illusion and have a couple of bouquets appear at, at all three of the graves uh so you you use your mind illusion to create three uh three wonderful uh bouquets there uh, you looking around at the garden you see the castile roses and their beauty enraptures you uh and you create three bouquets of those exact same roses that uh stand shimmering there in front of the grave uh that i assume uh breath weaver had dug using his uh using his yeah. ability to to mold earth and you place the pieces of um, pieces, pieces of them down to the grave. You stand there in reverence, and in the words of both uh, of both Aul and Elagos, uh, ring, ring through your minds uh, as as you uh, complete your funeral. Uh, does anyone else have any 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 more words or actions they'd like to take place? Um, Vilhelm's gonna kind of just say a prayer to Hephaestus to uh, to watch over their souls. I I'm not sure like how exactly it would be worded, but yeah. Uh, Elagos is gonna, um, he's probably still got his shield with him, and it's probably, like, half wrecked from, like, the, uh, the blow from the automaton, but I imagine it's still probably got that sticker on it that Cass gave him. Um, so he's gonna, he's gonna, like, gently peel it off, check to make sure it's still got some sticky left on it, and then just kind of, like, put it on the marker for Cass. Like, you know, I I know it wasn't entirely altruistic of you, but, you know, thanks for at least trying to have my back. So as you uh, collect your items, uh, you leave your, your sticky behind and the illusions fade, uh, you actually see uh, come around, uh, come, come down from the staircase that leads to the garden, 
uh, an, an elvish woman. Uh, she's dressed in a, a pinstripe suit uh, with a pair of round glasses and messy green hair tied into a bun as you guys are all uh, walking away. She's like, wait, wait, wait. H who, um, hello, I'm sorry, so sorry. I'm nice to meet you. I'm, I'm Mrs. Croft. Do, do you have any idea where I'd be able to find Cass or Avel? Uh, they, they haven't been at this week's check-in. If you, uh, we, a, we, you, if, uh, I, I'm sure that we're not the best people you want to hear this from, but Cass is, uh, something happened last night and he's no longer with us and Avel is in a, a pretty bad condition. He's unresponsive right now. He's, he's, sta uh, Avel is, uh, he's stable and he's, he's being looked after, but. He's currently within the Chilling Dragon. Yeah. Not the hospital, the, he's in a bar. The, the best medical facility. <laughs> so, my god. So, okay, so Cass is, oh my, uh, and she begins to like pull out a, a small book and starts jotting some things down. She's like, so evil and Cass cannot be here right now. Understood. Uh, ter terrible circumstance, I'm sure. And she starts pushing her glasses up on her face, and she will we'll dispatch uh, some some social worker right right away uh, to take their place. Just um, inform inform Mr. Avil uh, that 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 it will be taken care of and to recover quickly. Um, sorry, look, we just told you that someone that you had been looking after has passed away. I'm not looking after them. They're here for a check-in. They're responsible for the orphanage at the moment. They're of age. And I'm simply a worker who comes in to, to make sure that they're doing they're doing their job properly and see if they need anything. And if they're indisposed at the moment, then I have to make... Indisposed? Elagos is getting very angry. Well, I mean, you've said that Avil is in, in a bad condition, correct? Yeah. I'd wager to say that Cass is in a worse condition. At this point, Wilhelm just points to like, Cass's grave. Ah, my sincerest condolences. I misunderstood. She, like, briefly, like, jot something down in her notebook. Um... Yes, and this is far more grave than I had expected. <laughs> uh, and then, <laughs> then yes, uh, still for, forthwith, um, we shall make the arrangements, but also, um, again, my condolences and express those to Mr. Avil. Uh, I will make sure that this is taken, uh, that the orphanage is taken care of right away. Shouldn't there be some questions raised if orphans here have passed? Shouldn't that be something you look into to make sure it doesn't happen again? Oh no! Th this is um, yeah, yes. I mean, yes, we have we, we we should be looking into that. But I have to I have to make the arrangements right away due to the terrible news that you've given me. Uh, yes. And then I'll hmm, maybe two caretakers, three. Hmm. Under understood. Thank you, thank you, sir. We'll, we'll actually have to draft an investigation for that as well. And where where did this where did this take place? It took place in the park. All right, then we'll. Send agents over there to take a look. We'll get dispatch some officers. Understood. Thank you for your service. Uh, and we will make sure that this is taken care of and cleaned up as neatly as possible. Uh, uh, before we get going, can I get your name? Ah, yes. Uh, my name is uh, Mrs. Croft. Uh, Cecilia Croft. All right. Thank you, Cecilia. Uh, no, no matter. Uh, and she's, uh, she's jotted all this information down. She's like, well, I must be going. And then, uh, heads back into the orphanage, uh, to seemingly head out. Elagos seething right now. El Elagos, uh, I have her name. We can... Speak to her manager. 
<laughs> Are you going to call in to her call center? <laughs> Hello? I like to speak with the manager. <laughs> I'd like to speak with the orphanage owner. I'm taking over the orphanage. I'm taking over the orphanage. <laughs> oh my god, his plot points come back. Oh no. Foreshadowing. Also, Owl is going to look at the party and be like, I, I don't know personally how I feel about this, but Cass seemed like he was involved with something beyond him. It seemed like he was something above his element, out of his element. Do you think there's any clues to what he was involved with in his r room? I pull out the... T oh. That's actually a good point. We should check Kaz and Avel's rooms. And possibly Nash's. We should definitely make sure we're respectful, obviously, but yes. it just seems like the people who were behind Kaz could be doing more nefarious, or I guess we don't really know what their intentions are, and that's part of the problem. We need to figure out more about them. And Yes, you know. we need to be extremely, extremely respectful when we do this. And then we Gilligan cut to us, like, absolutely turning over their room. I, I was actually going to make this joke. It's just like you guys walk up to the door and Elgos just kicks it down. It's like, all right, guys, oh, we're God. in. Like the scene in but, Naked oh, Gun no. where OJ kicks the door down, but his leg just goes straight through the door. <laughs> oh, my God. Freeze! Drop your weapons! And then one of the guys does. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> like the scene in Step Brothers when they're making bunk beds and Bradley was like, there's so much room for activities. There's <laughs> so much room for conspiracies. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, so you guys, if you want, you can go into the orphanage to inspect uh, Abel and Cass's room. That's Is it like. the same room? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> All right. They have a bunk bed. They, they do not have a, a bunk bed. A three-person bunk bed. A five-person bunk bed A five-person bunk bed for just the two of them. Uh, so, yeah, we got over that funeral quick. So you you guys walk back into the... Uh, Listen, in, you, into don't the... lecture us on how we deal with the grieving process. <laughs> so you guys walk into the orphanage and you head over to uh, Cast and Abel's room. Uh, you, you're able to find it because on the, on the door it actually does say Abel. And there is like... A, a small, uh, like, plaque that, that notes it, and then Cass is also underneath there as well. It's just a footnote? It's just a <laughs> footnote with Cass. Written, like, it's, it's like in Sharpie. Uh, so, you guys go to open up the door, and it seems as if it's currently locked. Um, actually, I was thinking, I know this is kind of a little off topic, but there are still three kids here, and the sun is, ri the sun is rising, right, Ben? Uh, yeah, you, it's like about six-ish in the morning like it's it's early like they're not up yet but yeah uh i don't know if they're gonna respond that woman's gonna respond to this in time for them to have a breakfast do you i, I look at Wilhelm. you want to make them something okay i'll do my best one second Wilhelm, and i lean over and grab the vinegar off of him and say all right now you can <laughs> No 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 no. Their young palates are not refined enough to eat, enjoy a large quantity of vinegar. Andrew would also go down and help as well. This is a recipe for disaster. Hey man, I literally have proficiency in cooking tools. So you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna resolve the room first. So Should I roll thieves tools? Uh, yes. Yeah, roll the thieves tools. So I will elegos and I have a over. plus ten in this, so I'm hoping that I let's see. I got a 2. I got a 12. 
Uh, you attempt to you attempt to jimmy the lock, but you see is one of the uh, one of the keys on your lock on your lock pick uh, set breaks. You can use another one, but you would likely only have one other attempt. All right. Uh, damn cheap lock picks. Hey, let me, one second, guys. Um, a nineteen. So twenty nine. No, uh, nineteen total. Oh, okay. Yeah. So nineteen total. So you're able to successfully pick the lock. We don't um, Jimmy locks here. We James them. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you three enter into the room uh, in attempt to look for um, in attempt to look for any some sort of evidence. So it's a room with two beds on opposite sides. They are not bunk beds. There happens to be a desk on both sides of the room as well. Uh, you see uh, on the side that clearly seems to be Abel's side of the room. A bunch of uh, a bunch of textbooks open uh, on the desk. Uh, some math being drawn up looks like budgets for the um, for the actual orphanage. And on the left side of the room, you see over at Cass's desk, there's a couple of uh, plants growing on the on the uh, desk inside of pots. Uh, there's like a bunch of books on herbology, uh, and that that's about what you can see at first glance. Now I will just Eligos an investigation check. All right, so Eligos, you may roll an investigation check. All right, so I'm getting help, right? Yeah, I'm looking around. So I get advantage. That's a 13, and that's a 5. All right, so you're taking a look around the room. If you could just describe it to me, because I have something that would be in here, but I just want to know, what is it that you're looking for? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I guess I'm looking for uh, some kind of, like, uh, correspondence between... Uh, that could have been between Cass and some, like, organization that he might have been involved with, or some, like, insignias. Basically, some sign that he was involved with some people. The Guild of Calamitous Intent. <laughs> what? Every villain is lemons. <laughs> so, you look around to see if there's anything of the sort. Um, nothing nothing for, for certain is being shown right now. You look over at, at uh, Cass's desk... Uh, you, you see the you see the plants that he's growing. Just a few variations of roses. Uh, a Venus flytrap is there. Um, there you you see that on his desk is a uh, is about three seeds he has not planted yet. Um, but just over a clean sweep of the room, there's nothing that would um, that would tip you off into some sort of like corroboration with like a a, a gang or some sort of uh, organization. While he's looking around the room, I would like to read the journal. So you take open the journal that was found inside of the um, inside of the pit where you found Cass's body, and inside are a few drawings and detailed notes describing the tower, its size. Like there's just a picture of the black tower, the location of the tree in the park. Uh, there's like a quick drawing of it, an explanation of the alchemical formula uh, of the true root extract with plant no! life. No! Oh no! No! God damn it! My dog's what? peeing on something. Is that from the book? I. I th- <laughs> what? <laughs> the fuck? His dog was peeing on something, and that's why he was like, "Oh no, no!" <laughs> He's got these alchemical formulas. No! Oh no! And I'm just—I thought Corley's, br- I thought Breathweaver's brain exploded with like science, and it's just like, "No, that's impossible!" <laughs> the alchemical formulas. This is it. Oh, how the, the humanity! Oh God! Oh man! Oh God! Oh man! I'll be right back. All right, cut the thing in the kitchen seat. No! As Breathweaver <laughs> yells. Uh, you, you see back in the kitchen, it's just Ander. Somehow Ander and Wilhelm have found, like, chef hats, 
and they're they're just in the corner uh with like a bunch of the uh with a bunch of the ingredients and you see Wilhelm is uh Wilhelm is happily uh taking a bunch of like fresh vegetables that they're able to find inside of the cupboards uh and placing them inside of like this big stew pot uh and trying to like chop them up and uh add some like stock that they're able to find in some cans that are around there and then Anders microwaving some pizza rolls yeah Anders got some toasty nose put them on for uh, 45 uh, minutes can my mage hand also be assisting Wilhelm sure so Wilhelm I want you to flavor this like how what are you gonna make for these kids like okay what kind of food do they have nothing nothing too fancy it's just like there's some fresh vegetables there's like there's some carrots there's some lettuce there's some onions uh you see that they do have uh a couple of a couple of cans of chicken stock and beef stock. Uh, you're able to see that they do have one 12-pack 12, 12 of a dozen eggs. Uh, and that's about all you can find. Uh, and, and, and various spices, including vinegar. Uh, how, how many kids are in the orphanage? There were four. Uh, three. Are there more? Currently another three. girl in okay. the orphanage. Uh, I made fun of Mina that uh, episode. No, there there are three people in the orphanage: two boys, one girl, and well, two girls, which was Mina. But th- th- there's three in total. All right, well, uh, Ander, uh, do you think we should just make the kids like it, like a stew, I mean, or like I a, mean, it's the first meal of the day. I don't think a stew would. A stew could work, but I feel like we have a dozen eggs. Why not use them? So what? Make like omelets or something? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Alright, it's settled. Wilhelm is gonna attempt to make omelets. Uh yeah, can I help him? Yeah, you'll get you'll get advantage. Alright. Cooking tools. Or cook utensils. I'm just gonna roll roll twenty. So go. Rolled an eighteen. Alright. So you you uh you set up some omelets, you you put up the station of omelets and you're uh you're you're making all of them. I want you, I want you to flavor this actually. I'm not I'm gonna take a step back on this one. So I'm I'm kind of imagining uh, like on the Muppets you have like the professor and Beaker, Anders Beaker while trying to follow uh, Wilhelm's instructions, and the mage hand is just there trying to like help, trying to help correct what Anders doing. This this flavor has made me more confused about what these guys have done. He he he's comparing us to Professor Honeydew and Beaker from the Muppets. <laughs> oh, I thought you. Why? All right, whatever. So <laughs> we'll do this later. So you guys, you guys make delicious omelets, and you leave three very pristine omelets. You don't know where you got the ketchup, but there's ketchup on top of them. Uh, they're from Anders Beaker. Uh, uh. That sounds questionable. That's where the mayonnaise. Yeah, came it does. Actually. That's where the mayonnaise. Oh my god, no, there's Stop. no mayonnaise. Cease. You you Desist. make the omelets. Three omelets are. Are set on the table, and you there's there's a side of vinegar with each of them. There has not been any added, uh, so you guys have successfully made uh, first breakfast for these children. But what about second breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> there's the stew. Uh, so, Corley, are you uh, are you back? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll hop back into the room. So, inside of the book. The explanation of alchemical formulas of the true root extract. No. <laughs> with plant life. That's impossible. I can't get through this session. I swear to God, there's so much more left. With plant life combined with certain frequencies and how they react. And then towards the beginning uh, of the book, you're able to see uh, some timestamps. So you see 2100s listed. 
A blue tiefling will be arrested. They get, get arrested two hours prior by attacking one of the officers. They will be located outside of the beast shot. Specific details of your party's move, general movements seem to be written down inside of this journal, Breathweaver. Almost as if someone had predicted that this would be how your days went. Some specifics vary, and based off of certain things occurring, the outcomes are all listed out here inside of this book. Designs of the automatons are also being depicted here inside of this book as you're able to see the, uh, the, the, nine, the, the nine of them, uh, well, the, the, uh, the amount of automatons lined up uh, as you saw them in the tower, and you'll see that there is uh, the one that had fought you with the enlarged limbs, which had been circled in red. A basic layout of its circuitry had also been explained, activation sequences and power sources as well, um, as well as uh, how the interaction of the uh, <coughs> of the plants would affect its uh, affect its uh, work. Does he see the Everything words "a uh, weapon to surpass Metal Gear" in the margins? No, no, not yet. Uh, that's at the that's in the uh, that's in the next chapter. So. Everything is here at Breathweaver, and the end of the book kind of trails off after the elevator. Uh, just b tells tells you up to there, and as you flip through the pages, you see like a small piece of uh, paper kind of falls to the ground. It looks like a, a letter, uh, and it slowly f floats and hits the ground. Uh, oh man, it looks like whoever wrote this book had one too many blue jewels, I say as I pick up the letter. Yep. So as you go to pick up the letter, and as you do, you notice that the paper the envelope is crafted from is quite simply gorgeous. Its smooth touch makes you feel as if you're stroking refined ivory. A bright purple wax emblem is placed over the flap, whose design is an intricate F. Man, they really can tell the future. They wanted to pay their respects in advance. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm now going to, like, from now on, I'm going to refer to jerking it as stroking ivory. Why? Don't pursue this logic any further. <laughs> um, I would. Uh, it, so it doesn't look opened. No, it is currently sealed. Uh, break F for respect, I guess. All right. So, as you open the letter, you reveal that there is a note inside. So I assume at this point, uh, both Aul and Elagos have like kind of come over to you, noticing that you're just like been reading through this book, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh. Weird thing, guys. This book pretty much predicted everything that's happened so far. And is the handwriting written by the like the predicting thing the same as the one written by Kaz's notes or no? Uh, no. These are very, very different uh, manners of writing. Uh, so you look at the note and it reads, Van Corfer Enterprises requests the honor of your presence to attend and participate in the annual Tefekian Mines Exhibition. A meeting of inventors artists, tradesmen, and craftsmen. Let your genius come alive here. And signed at the bottom in the neatest cursive you've ever seen is the name Fixus Van Corfer, CEO of Van Corfer Enterprises. And there's a date inscribed that is set two weeks from now. Is it just me, or does it feel like this is directed at us rather than Kaz? No, why would it be? What are you talking about? I, I think I get where he's going with this, to be honest. Yeah, what if, Kaz, what if Kaz's death was foreseen and us getting this? So you think the people who set up Kaz set him up to die as well? I mean, like, I, I, I kind of, like, take the journal in my hands and, like, kind of brandish it. It's like, I mean, 
They've been able to be this far ahead of us. Do you really say, are you really saying it's not possible? I never say it's not possible. Everything's possible. Please also note that there are varied futures that are listed inside of this, uh, this document. Various futures? Yeah, so various futures. So essentially, it, like, if there could have been different ways that the events in town happened and they were described out there. I don't know if I did a good job explaining that. Uh, I didn't hear that. Does any of the events mention Cass's death in them? Well, it trails off on the elevator. Like, they didn't want Kaz to know that his death was coming, kind of thing. Like, why would they tell Kaz that? Yeah, who knows? Alright. Either way. But, but that's just a hypothesis, of course. A game a hypothesis. Thing. Well, we don't know that this letter was sent by the people who were instructing Kaz. This could have been... I mean, I assume it's related, but we don't know that Van Corfer, whatever, is the same people. Well... Right now, it's our only lead. We can keep looking, though. Yes, I'd say we. this is a good lead, but we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves thinking we cracked the entire things. Side note, the seeds on the table, are there notes about that in Kaz's notes rather than the future-telling notes? Uh, no. You're, there's no, like, like well, I mean, they're described like certain plant life, but nothing about, like, specific seeds. You're not entirely sure what these seeds are. If, if you want to go ahead and roll investigation, you can. Uh, but, or, I mean, nature, sorry, uh, but... I was just gonna take them with us, just in case, yeah. Yeah, take them and plant them on Larry's ship, see what grows. I feel like we should probably get a move on. This event is two weeks away. We don't know how far, how long it takes to even get there. So we should probably figure that out. You think Larry would take us, given his lark and fly? Well, we'll just have to ask him. Yeah, so you guys kind of meet up in the hallway, and, like, the breakfast has been made, you guys raided the room, you got some sort of information, and you guys could hash it out amongst yourselves what you want to do next. I think we should go back to Larry's. We got a lead, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. so when we head, as we head back to Larry's, I'd like to relay the information we found to the kitchen crew. Uh, yeah, we should go check up on Evil. So, you guys, uh have now completed your burial, your investigation, and your cooking of breakfast. First breakfast. Okay. Uh, so you head back down Main Street. Uh, none of the shops seem to be open. Uh, but there are some people out now as it's starting to become early in the morning, and you notice a pattern that everyone seems to be wearing a, a light blue garment. And as you pass them by, they do not speak to you, uh, but they nod their heads to you in silence. There's a kindness in their actions, but you also feel a sense of mourning coming from their movements. As they pass by others with the same light blue garb, they bow their heads slightly and place their hands on each other's shoulders while one other hand resides over their own chest. This change of demeanor is drastic from what you know about the previous day's festivities. You remember Cass saying that the first night of the festival was a large party celebrating the return of the goddess Mistra. You believe today is the morning of her death, as you continue to walk back to Larry's. So... As you pass by uh, these people in the street, you walk right back into Larry's bar, and there he is, now completely changed back into his usual uh, apron, uh, and he's standing behind the bar. And he's like, hey guys, how's it go? It's been better. Oh. I'm assuming not good news then. Yeah. He didn't make it, Cass. Oof. How is, uh, how is our boy doing upstairs? Uh, he's, he's alive. Uh, you see, that's, uh, that's, I'm not, I'm not the greatest doctor around, and I'm not even a doctor, really, uh, but he, he seems to be resting and stable, but he's definitely not, like, uh, 
Larry, why do I see a new item on the specials called Human Spice? Don't you did you were not supposed to see that. Uh, that is uh that's a special menu item. Who who, who told you about that? <laughs> uh, by the way, uh Rathweaver, do you have the the letter from the Van Corfer company, whatever that was? Larry, we have a lead. I, I take it out and put it on the bar. Cass was the guy who raised the tower, Larry, but it turns out he was told the entire time how to do it. He was given the step-by-step instructions. He was even told where, what we were going to do. Something or someone predicted all of this, and it came true. And now we found in Cass's journal a letter about something called the Van Corfer Corporation. They're having a party, seemingly of intellectuals, engineers. We think maybe this could be a lead or something in either to the, another tower or maybe to the people who helped him raise it. So we were hoping you could take it. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I'd love to go to, to a Van Corfer meeting. The, you guys know who he is? Uh, nope. I do not know who this per- person is. Can I roll history? <laughs> uh, sure. We're new in town, don't forget. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> new in town. I got a four. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, don't, you don't know who he is. Uh, but Larry just tells, is going to tell you guys anyway. And he says, Fix, Fixus Van Gorfer is the wealthiest man in Tofek. He, he rose, he, he, he's the, the main inventor of, of, uh, any sort of transportation, either ground, air, or sea, or around the entire continent. He, he's been, he's made in, entire investments into every field. He's got a monopoly on everything. He's like the great, world's greatest salesman. And, and if you guys got an invite, I mean, either off of a corpse or otherwise, I mean, I'd still go. Or at least drop you off. That, th- th- this place is going to be popping. All right, Larry's at plus one, it seems. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll take you guys over there. I mean, Van Corfer's place is about, I mean, about a week and a half from here. I, I've got to do uh, a couple of errands. I, sh- I should be able to get you there within, uh, he looks at the paper, the two weeks that it says. All right. Uh, do you need any help with those errands? Have you finished those errands? I mean, there's nothing you you specifically can do, but you guys are... I mean, you're going to be carrying around in my bar, so I guess if I need help, I'll let you know. Uh, But, I mean, before before we go, you guys got everything you needed to do here in town out of the way? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's much left for us here. Uh, Elagos is going to look at his uh, wrecked equipment and say... Do you, do you know any place I can get a, a at, repair? At, at this done? point, Wilhelm just like turns towards Elgos, just like like the girl in the Exorcist. His head just spins around. Yes, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, Elgos, I could, I could repair your equipment. Oh, cool, thanks. No problem. Oh, and now that I remember, um, you guys earned some uh, hard cold cash from Larry's uh social uh social experience. Thanks for uh. Winning me this uh, best bar in Ruel trophy and the prize money. I thought you were about to say social experiment, and Same. I was about to punch you through the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, he raised the tower just to see how you guys feel when you die. It's just a prank, bro. It's just a prank, bro. I just killed Cass, an eight-year-old girl. Uh, but um, so he kind of like takes out this really big sack of gold, and he uh, he says five percent, right? Each. 
No, five percent. Yeah, you're funny, Breath Weaver. Uh, so he hands you guys over uh, a smaller sack of gold that he's already taken five percent out of, uh, and there is five thousand gold inside of the. Uh... So one thousand each. Oh boy. All right. And uh, in regards to wares, and for uh, the fact that I don't really have a place for you to make equipment, uh, Wilhelm, I think uh, my hobbyist that I've got here should be able to help you out with getting stuff that you need. All right. I don't know about you guys. I'm not in the mood to buy anything. I'm probably just going to go get the hay. All right, then. Uh, but if, if you, if you uh, anyone else wants to purchase anything, just head in the ball pit. Oh, in why, the why, why is this vendor friend of yours set, set up shop in ball pit? I don't know. Don't ask too many questions. I will dive into the ball pit. I will also join Coralie. Uh, what, what Wilhelm's going to do first is he's going to go up and check on Abel. Let's see how he's doing. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with him. Okay. So we have two ball pit, two I, Abel. I'll go check one, on Abel as well. Okay, so the three of you go to check on Abel. So you all walk into uh you you all walk into a a room uh there's only one bed in it no bunk beds and Abel is uh laying down in the bed uh just looks as if he's sleeping uh he looks stable just at a first at a at first glance uh but you can tell that he hasn't he he hasn't moved it doesn't look like he's showing anything any sort of sign of light outside of breathing. Uh, so if you want to do some sort of inspection or take a look at him, uh, you guys now have free reign inside. Uh, him. Just don't do anything stupid. I'm gonna try get a, um, I'm gonna try and like better assess his me- like his medical condition. If that makes sense. Oh, okay. Uh, I want you to roll. You can roll medicine, uh, and then based off of that, you may have to roll something else. All right. So. Before Wilhelm like does his little like medical once over, he's gonna cast guidance on himself. So you hear a pop sound and confetti pops up. Whoopee. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you're good. Go ahead. Alright, so it's a thirteen plus two fifteen. Okay, so you roll a fifteen. Uh, medicine wise, you see he's breathing. Uh, he seems okay. Uh, it just seems as if he's not responsive to anything. Then, now that you've been able to assess this for yourself, you can roll Arcana. Two. Uh, you aren't able to discern anything further about Abel's condition at the moment. I think we should just let him rest. I don't know what's wrong with him, but maybe a little bit of time and he'll come well, back too. How soon are we leaving? Can we? Should we bring him to a hospital? You think? Or that's what I'm thinking. Uh, if you if you guys want to bring him to a hospital, you can. Uh, you can also. I mean, you could carry him inside the bar if you'd like. Uh, it's up to you. I think we should bring him to a hospital. Yeah. And then uh, back to the ball pit. So, you, uh, Breath Weaver and Ander were the first ones into the ball pit. So you kind of like start diving in and looking for some sort of vendor. And then you notice uh, there's like a decently sized hole in the wall that kind of looks like a tel- uh, like a tiny teller's window. Uh, and as you uh, as you draw closer, as you wade through the uh, the balls to examine it, a small uh, small green head pops up from the darkness behind it, and it says, "Welcome to Clevin's Ball Pit. How may I service you?" Oh. Uh, well, uh, that was unexpected. So when Mina was sw- like. Hanging out in the yeah, ball pit, exactly. Clevin was just staring at her. 
<laughs> Pretty much. Clevin's got a. Uh, Clevin's fun. Uh, so you guys have For all kids? received the sheet. No. Uh, you guys have all received the sheet uh, on what you can buy and purchase from Clevin's store. Uh, so depending on what it is that you'd like to purchase, you guys have first dibs. So Clevin's store, is, is this just essentially uh, Fantasy Costco? Yeah, pretty much, except Fantasy Costco. Just for like, the people who are listening who don't see the sheet, it consists of magical items that the party has run into in the arc. Uh, they'll be updating it. Hopefully, once we get uh, some like more suggestions, maybe we'll put up a poll next time to add some homebrew items in. But I created a couple of homebrew items for it uh, as well that, that people can purchase. So there's eight pages. Uh, you guys can, uh, whatever you want to buy, go so ahead. Are we able, like, how is it set up in this area? Right now we have a window with a green face in it. How do we see his wares? Are they, uh, like, hidden in the balls? Uh, no, they're okay. not hidden in the balls. Just buy stuff. Okay, I'll, I'll buy the Rod of Absorption. Okay. Uh, so you see, you're able to peer behind the, uh, you're able to peer behind the, the teller window, and you can see that on the wall there are his wares. You're able to see all of them and take in the information immediately. And you see the rod of absorption. He says, 600 gold pieces, please. I will pay 600 gold pieces. Thank you. And then he hands you the rod of absorption. Would you be interested in anything else? Or what say you, half-elf? Ah, well, I was interested in the Rod of Absorption, but seeing as it's been taken, <laughs> eh. Ah, of course. Too bad, so sad. Oh, well. Uh, uh, and just going to kind of climb out of the ball pit at this point. All right. Anybody else? Uh, I, I assume at this point the rest of the party is convened like, at the ball pit, correct? Yeah, everybody's there. All right. Um, the first thing that catches Wilhelm's attention is the portable forge. It's, ah yes. So uh, how how does this work? Like you know that like it it it, it forges a very big piece of equipment. How the how the fresh hell is one like portable? Well, you see, it was made by dwarvish masterminds. All of it goes into this small contraption, no bigger than a four-inch cube, and it expands to a full-size forge for any crafting needs. Uh, and he produces you like a small looking uh, like puzzle box. Yeah, sure, I'll take it. Two hundred gold. I hand him two hundred gold. Perfect. And then he uh, takes the two hundred gold and gives you the portable forge. Mm -hmm. I thought you were also gonna buy the cinder cloak. I fucking want to, but you have enough money. I know, but I won't be able to buy any other anything else. There's, 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 there are other things I want to do. That if I bought the resources for that. I wouldn't be able to get the cloak. You, you could ask me. I'm willing to pay for your other resources. Hmm. Uh. All right. Well, a uh, breath weaver. Um, I really want that uh, that the uh, cinder cloak. It looks really cool. Eh. Uh, I'd be able to like fly around and throw fireballs and shit. Eh. Uh, could I uh, ask you? For a, a small loan of 40 gold. Okay, Donald. A small loan of a million dollars. Alright, so... He buys everything. No. Um, that now has interest. Alright, so what Bilham's gonna do is he's gonna... He's gonna take his 800 gold and buy the Cinder Cloak, and then with the small loan of 40 gold, um, buy... I think... that much worth of silver ore. Okay. 
So you buy or, no, steel ore by mistake. Steel ore. So you buy steel ore and you buy um you buy the cinder cloak, which just to give a description to the viewers, uh, it's a cloak woven from the feathers of a young phoenix. The item is, can really warm the place up. In its natural state, it is a discrete black cloak that spreads light particles of ash, as that is what it consists of. Once the magic phrase has been set and spoken, the, close, the cloak bursts to life and grants the user flight for one minute, and it also allows the user to invoke the spell Fireball at fourth level at any time once during this minute. Uh, the DC is 16. I feel like that was meant for Breathweaver. Uh, at this point, Wilhelm's gonna gonna check his coin purse outside of the money we just got, and he's gonna realize that oh, he has forty gold. So he's just gonna immediately pay off his debt to uh, Breathweaver. What, the- <laughs> <laughs> what was the point? All right. <laughs> I didn't realize that I that I just I just had sixty four gold by default. Okay then. I hate all of you. Uh, so the buying scene is over. Uh, and as soon as uh, that that happens, you guys return to your rooms, and then Larry is going to uh, have the have the dragon on top of the bar uh, take off. So as you do so, you all will uh, you all take off into the sky and start heading towards um, the uh, Tofekian Mines exhibition at Fixes Van Corfer's estate. Thanks for listening to this episode of Good Job Adventures. If you like what you just heard, be sure to let us know by rating the podcast on your preferred listening platform. For questions about the cast, business inquiries, or contact us at goodjobadventures at gmail.com. For everything else, follow us on Twitter at GJ Adventures. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.